0: Here she come walking down the street. With someone I ain't never seen. There she is. There she is, and she got new hair. Hollow her nose an empty stare. There she is, there she is, there she is, there she is, there she is. And welcome back to 4 for to The Most Accurate Podcast. My name is Anthony Stalzer, joined as always by John Paulson. John, how are we doing today? Uh, we're doing pretty good. 12's back at camp. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure to <laughs> scare this out of.
1: <laughs> Quarterback 1 is back at camp. Um, yeah, I'm doing pretty well. It's uh, It's been an interesting week already, and it's only it's only we're recording on this on Wednesday, and it's only Wednesday, so uh, who knows what's going to happen tomorrow or the next day. But uh, yeah, ready to, ready to talk about the uh, fantasy impact.
0: You brought us back to our Friday Night Lights days there by by calling Rogers twelve or QB one. <laughs> I love it. Tell us about the music that brought us in, and then of course we'll dive into guys like Rogers and Michael Thomas and everything else that's going on in the fantasy world right now.
1: Yeah, that was a band uh, called Fruition, and it's it was the number one track off of their 2018 album. Watching it all fall apart. The name of the track is "Stuck on You." I added it to the most accurate podcast playlist, which you can find a link to.
0: Uh, in the show notes. All right, today we're going to discuss, as I mentioned before, Michael Thomas and Aaron Rodgers and the news that broke earlier this week, then tackle part. Of part three of the four-part series by doing a deep dive at the wide receiver position uh, for for ADP. If you missed it before two weeks ago, we talked quarterbacks. Last week we talked running backs. So if you missed any of the previous podcasts, podcasts, make sure you go go back and listen to those because John, John, and I did a kind of a deep dive on those positions. Again, we'll do wide receivers today. But first, we have partnered with Underdog Fantasy to offer a free four for four Pro subscription. It's a fifty-nine dollar value, so it's a tremendous value. And all you have to do is to deposit $10. That's it $10 at underdog as a new user, not only that, but underdog will also give you a bonus of $25 in your account. And our partners at FFPC will give you a $35 credit for one of their leagues. If you're new to FFPC, if you're a returning FFPC user, you're going to get a $10 credit. So you don't you won't miss out either. It's important that you do use our code. And that's the number four. F O R the number four. So when you think four for four, think about the number four F O R number four, and it's all in caps. That way you'll claim the free subscription. For details, go to bit.ly slash four for four deal. And that's all in caps as well. Four for four deal is all in caps or hit that pin tweet on the top of John's Twitter page at 444 underscore John. We've never had an offer like this. We've been telling you about that for the last couple of weeks now. So we're hoping that all of our listeners can participate and all of our listeners can, can cash in on the, on the offer. We've also partnered with Picks to offer a free DFS or betting subscription just for depositing $20 to $35 as a new user at Picks. So if you'd rather get a DFS or a betting subscription, or you can't take advantage of the underdog offer, then this deal might be perfect for you. Just go to bit.ly, all caps on this last part, bit.ly slash prize picks, all caps on that for the details. And the DFS subscription usually costs about $99, the betting subscription about 179. So this is another great way to get a subscription. at an an absolute massive discount. You also get that $35 coupon at FFPC if you're a new user. So thanks to Prize packs and to underdog fantasy, we're looking forward to partnering with those guys uh, throughout the course of the season. Listeners who can't take advantage of either deal should know that our early bird pricing does end at the end of July. And john mentioned at the top of the podcast, we're recording this on Wednesday, July twenty eighth. So we are nearing the end of July, this will be my last opportunity to tell you about that that early bird pricing that takes place at four for four. So jump off the fence. If you've been riding it for a long time, get John, all of John's picks, get get uh, you know betting content, DFS content, all of our tools when it comes to helping you win your fantasy leagues and your DFS leagues this year. All right, John, I'm sure you're absolutely over the moon with Aaron Rodgers. He, the saga seems to be over for now. Who knows what's going to happen, you know, 10 minutes from now. But for now, he, he has agreed to play for Green Bay in 2021. he can also have a say of where he's going to play in 20, 2022 but he's still going to be under contract with Green Bay so it's kind of a, a weird deal and that that contract of his does go to 2023 uh, but it can be voided. so there's kind of some there's a, there's a lot of lot going on with with rogers and the new new structure of his deal but the bottom line is especially for fantasy owners, he will be the Packers quarterback this upcoming season. Randall Cobb is also officially back in Green Bay. The Packers made a deal for him. So, what what effect does this have, John, on, on the fantasy value of Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, Robert Tunyon, and then uh, the other Green Bay skill players, including Randall Cobb?
1: Yeah, it's a. Uh, it sounds like he wanted more control over his short term future. I, I believe that twenty twenty three year has been voided and then I'm not exactly clear on what will happen in 2022 in terms of him being able to force a trade if he wants to be traded uh, or if they, I think it just said that the Packers would review his situation at the end of the year um, we can talk a little bit more about his future after this season but let's just talk since this is mostly a redraft uh, podcast let's just talk about 2021 uh, rogers moved up in my rankings from like a low end qb1. Uh, just due to that uncertainty whether or not he was for sure going to play or maybe sit out or or whatever was going to happen. But he's up at QB5 now. Um, I would only take uh, Mahomes, Josh Allen, uh, Kyler Murray, and Dak Prescott over him. I think he's going to be motivated and have another scorched earth type season. He could set some records, uh, et cetera. I'm sure he'll be calling his own number around the goal line a lot like he did last year. (laughs) Uh, So I – you know, the discount window is probably closing. He went uh, in the sixth round of my pros versus Joe's draft last night. I was going to take him in the seventh if he was available there, Um, but he went a little bit early and uh, a little disappointed there. I ended up with Ryan Tannehill in the eighth, but that's nothing wrong with that. Um, Devontae Adams back to wide receiver one for me, overall wide receiver one. Um, Obviously fantastic player. He's in a contract here at this point but he's apparently uh open to renegotiation uh and if he signs a long-term deal with the packers then i think rogers chances of rogers staying another year or two increase uh, but we'll see what they do on the davante front they had broken off some contract negotiations uh but with the rogers restructuring his deal to free up some more money there might be a, a available uh, it might be possible for them to sign davante as well um Jones, I already was pretty high in Aaron Jones relative to other rankers. I had him at RB7 and half PPR uh, heading into this news, and now i bumped him up to RB6, just a little bit extra passing yards and passing touchdowns for Rodgers and the passing offense, just a little bit more solid there uh, from a team-level perspective, and that bumps Jones up. I think he's a fantastic value in the second round, which is where he's been going, and I think he'll continue to go there for whatever reason. And then uh, Robert Tunyon, you know, tight end 13 up to tight end 10. Uh, People are worried about his uh, regression of his touchdowns, but he's an ascending player and, you know, broke out last year with a good season. I think there's, you know, his he might see more catches, more yards just as an ascending player and a bigger player in this offense. And that would offset whatever potential touchdown drop he would have. But I mean, I think this is going to be a high touchdown offense with Rodgers playing quarterback. So uh, he could see double digit touchdowns certainly in the, in the TE1 role there for the, for the Packers. And then as for Randall Cobb coming back, I'm not expecting him to be a world beater. I think he'll have his moments. I certainly would love to see him uh, win another game against the, the Bears on a you know last-second play. Uh, but from 2016 to 2018, uh, 28 games with Rodgers, he averaged 6.9 targets, 4.7 catches, 47 yards, .29 touchdowns per game. Uh, the resulting uh, points per game, about 8.9 and a half PPR, and that equates to fantasy wide receiver four numbers. So that's probably what is a reasonable expectation for him at this point. He's over 30, but he's not out of his prime. He still can be productive. And maybe he never played for Matt LaFleur, so maybe Matt LaFleur in this offense can get more out of him uh, as the primary slot receiver. And, and obviously his arrival... Submarines the value of Amari Rogers who's going to take a back seat uh, for now until he can prove that he's better than Cobb and I don't think that uh, that's probably going to happen this season until he really learns the intricacies of the offense and gains uh, Rogers, uh, Aaron Rogers trust and I think that's a big thing in, in Green Bay and this receiving core is having his trust.
0: I should preface this, and and regular listeners know, but I should preface this by by reminding you that that John is a massive Green Bay Packers fan. So, uh, again, as he answers this next question, make sure you you keep that in the back of your mind. Do you think that Aaron Rodgers will – do you think that this will be Aaron Rodgers last year in Green Bay?
1: Uh, I will say that my massive uh, fandom for the Packers was a little touch-and-go this offseason with the way that they were (laughs) handling everything. Um, But – I think that the notion that he this is for sure his last year is um, kind of misinformed or I think that they're not I think they're they're the people that are saying that are assuming that Rodgers all along wanted to leave Green Bay but if you remember he had that interview uh, on Sports Center with Kenny Main, and he was he was kept talking about the culture at in the in the franchise and how it's about the people etc and the deal that he got here it, it sounds like there are going to be some quote-unquote mechanisms in place for him to deal with his you know problems with management or pro- problems with the front office and i think his goal here may be to try to change that culture and to get them to listen a little bit more and not treat players like commodities even though in the nfl a lot of them are treated like commodities um and then i think he wanted some more Control over his short-term future, so I think he gained that as well by getting that uh, 23 season voided. And uh, you know, I don't think that he can necessarily force a trade in 2022. But I think he can. I think that's what the thinking is. If if things don't get better in 21, uh, you're not listening to me, et cetera, Then I'm, I'm, I want to say and where I go in 2022, and that's fine for the Packers. I think that they're. they're you're open to that if, if they have a bad a bad finish this season or he's not happy with the offense or whatever. Um, he can't complain about his weapons, I don't think, at this point. Uh, so he would have a, a say in where he goes, and the Packers would then get the best deal they can for him. And it was sort of something that was coming up, and we could see it happening, and, and we are expecting it to happen at the end of the season. Now, if they go on to win the Super Bowl or they make the Super Bowl, uh, I don't know why he would want to leave if the goal is to win a Super Bowl. Uh, if the team is still winning the NFC North, making making a deep run into the playoffs, I would think that this is his best chance to win one. Unless there's a perfect situation that lines up like the Buccaneers did for Tom Brady, um, and Antonio Brown is not, you know, sitting out there on the free agent wire uh, to to you know add to the receiving core. So, I. Don't think it's necessarily his last year in Green Bay. It it probably is, or it's at least 50-50. But those saying that this is absolutely his last year in Green Bay, I don't think that's the case. I think they want to try to keep him. And if the team continues to have success and maybe they can change some of the dynamic with Guttenkust and uh, Mark Murphy, then um, maybe he'll stay another season.
0: All right, let's move forward here. We'll talk about Michael Thomas. He had ankle surgery in June. 444 four is a new injury expert, Adam Hutchinson, who is a doctor of physical therapy. He suggested seven and nine missed games for Thomas. How are you approaching the situation, John?
1: Yeah, I, I have him projected right now for eight games missed. Uh, and I'm not really touching him where he's going in the drafts. I mean, his ADP has is, is sunk, but... I, I just think somebody else will end up taking him before I do, and I don't want him sitting on my bench the entire season unless I'm in a, a league that has a giant roster, a giant bench, and I can afford to have a, a spot eaten up by Michael Thomas. Or my league has an IR spot where you can just you know draft him, whatever, eighth round, and then plug him in to your IR spot and wait for him to come back. Uh, as far as fantasy impact, this is obviously a downgrade for the whoever is the quarterback for the for the team. Um, but you know, Sean Payton's a, a really good offensive mind. He'll have a productive offense. I think whoever's out there, uh, maybe they get some better play out of Traquan Smith, Marquez Calloway. Those are the, the, in terms of targets and snaps, those two players are probably going to see the biggest bump, probably Calloway with, you know, Smith probably starting alongside, uh, Thomas. That was the expectation heading into the season. Now Callaway goes from the bench to, to starting. So he's probably the big winner here in terms of playing time. Deontay Harris will work in as the third receiver. I do think this is an upgrade for Adam Troutman. He's gonna be even seeing even more opportunity uh, and targets as uh as the new tight end one for for the Saints. Uh I think this is a big win for Kamara fantasy owners. He's bumped up his splits without Thomas in the in the lineup are insane. Uh 27.3 point per game half ppr in the games that um, thomas missed over the last two seasons he had just an insane touchdown rate uh if you take if you take those touchdowns back to his normal levels he still would have scored uh 23 points half ppr so he is rb1 overall rb1 upside i mean with the new quarterback situation there and you know, you wonder how many touchdowns are going to score, how good this offense is going to be. But he has that sort of upside if, if things are okay there in New Orleans in the offense. Um, and then I, you know, Winston and Taysom Hill are competing for the job. There are some that think that this sealed the deal for Taysom Hill to win the job. I don't see that at all. I, I don't know why um, losing Thomas means that Taysom Hill automatically wins the job. Uh, I, I can understand that they're going to maybe go run heavy. Uh, but you still want to have uh, your best passing quarterback out there. Uh, I don't know that they think that that's Winston. Uh, Taysom Hill had the highest adjusted completion percentage, according to PFF, last year, so he actually threw the ball very accurately. Um, but I don't know if they uh, want to hand him the job or not, so we'll see how that goes. Whoever is the uh, starter for New Orleans will still have you know, high-end QB2, low-end QB1 upside. Uh, just a, a kind of a, a thought on Smith, Traquan Smith. In the eight career games where he saw at least five targets, he averaged 4.8 catches, 66 yards, .38 touchdowns per game. Those are fantasy wide receiver, wide receiver three-type numbers. I took him in uh, the 12th round of my Pros versus Joe's draft last night. Uh, fairly happy to get him there. Uh, in those eight games, he posted 2.04 yards per route run, which is about what uh, Nelson Aguilar posted as the 23rd receiver. Out of the uh, 112 eligible receivers in 2020, according to uh, PFF, so you know the former third-round pick I think is the likely wide receiver one for the Saints. And Callaway, it was a rookie last year, undrafted, caught 21 of 27 targets for 213 yards. He had eight for 75 and 10 targets against Carolina in Week Seven, so he'll has some potential. And then of course Troutman, he caught 15 of his 16 targets for 171 yards and a touchdown as a rookie playing behind Jared Cook, but he should see his playing time spike to over 80% this year.
0: We don't want to give away, and I mentioned this last week, we don't want to just give away all of John's rankings on this podcast. So what I thought we'd do again is go through underdogs, ADP for the receiver position, and then we discuss the tiers that seem to be forming within the position. So let's start off, John, let's start off with the pot- the potential first round receivers. We're talking about Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, and Devontae Adams. Now that Rodgers is back in Green Bay, and if uh, you want to go back and re-listen to John's thoughts about Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, please do so. But is this <laughs> is this the order that you would take them in? Uh, well, I would have
1: uh, Adams first and then Hill second, uh, and then I think Ridley and Diggs uh, are kind of jockeying for the third or fourth spot uh, in my wide receiver rankings right now. Uh, I, think, I think Adams, Hill, Ridley, and Diggs are all really, really solid uh, wide receiver
0: ones this year. DeAndre Hopkins, Calvin Ridley, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, and Justin Jefferson are going off the board in the second round. Are there any standouts in the second round for you?
1: Yeah, as I mentioned, Ridley, uh, and you know him well being a a Falcons fan, but in the 10 games over the past two seasons when uh, Julio Jones played fewer than 30 snaps when he was either out or limited due to injury, Ridley averaged 6.3 catches on 10.3 targets for 95 yards and uh, 0.3 touchdowns and his touchdown rate was seems a little low there but it's actually higher when Jones was on the field so you know if that if that regresses to the mean so to speak then he could have a monster monster year and I think you know 1500 plus yards are in his range of outcomes and I I, he's the receiver that I've been targeting in the second round if I'm going to take one there
0: yeah I love Ridley and He's, the, the, the kid's a stud. I mean, the, the, the Falcons just know how to find wide receivers. Now, they don't win championships because they seem to just focus on wide receivers, but nonetheless, they, they know how to find them, and Calvin, Calvin Ridley is an absolute stud. I'm interested in your thoughts on Julio Jones. We'll get to him, though, in, in a couple of minutes. There are some quality wide receivers that are going to be available in the third round. We're talking about Keen, Keenan Allen, CeeDee Lamb, Terry McLaurin, Allen Robinson, Amari Cooper, Mike Evans, and Robert Woods. What are your thoughts on this group?
1: Yeah, I was uh, in my pros versus Joe's draft and last night in the third round and I uh, ended up taking McLaurin. I think Allen and Lamb went before him and so I took McLaurin over the rest of these guys and I've been getting a lot of McLaurin, uh, especially in the third round if I go with at least one running back in the first two rounds. Uh, I like the upside there compared to some of the running backs that are there. I mean, Chris Carson's good, but it's nice to get McLaurin. I think, you look at what he did over the first two seasons. He's one of 12 receivers since the year 2000 that has averaged 70 yards receiving and gained uh, 2,000 plus yards in his first two seasons. And he did it with some pretty sketchy quarterback play. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, I think, had the fourth highest uh, adjusted uh, completion percentage uh, on his deep attempts last year. So him. With McLaurin and Curtis Samuel, I think that they and they get, they drafted Diami Brown. Um, I think they are looking to stretch the field, and that should benefit McLaurin as well. Um, Keenan Allen is just really solid. I, I guess I'm a little worried about this Mike Williams talk from Joe Lombardi saying that you know he's going to see an uptick in targets and that the, the ball just finds the X receiver in the offense. But, I mean, you have Keenan Allen in your offense. I think the ball should be finding him. Uh, and 11 non-injury games that he played with Justin Herbert at quarterback. He averaged 8.5 catches, 12.2 targets for 83 yards and 0.64 touchdowns. Those are top five numbers for Keenan Allen, so certainly in PPR, Allen is a really solid pick in the third round. And then Woods now his ADP has creeped up to the end of the third round. I liked it better when I could get him in the middle of the late fourth, um, but. I don't know if if there's a lot of 4-for-4 subscribers (laughs) drafting or whatever, but Bobby Trees is one of my spirit animals. Uh, Getting him (laughs) in the fourth makes me so happy. But uh, he's one of 10 receivers with at least 3,200 receiving yards in the last three seasons. He also adds uh, rushing yards, and I think that might even increase a bit with uh, Cam Akers done for the year. Uh, Maybe they run Woods a little bit more on those sweeps. Uh, So his... His floor seems pretty high, especially with an upgraded quarterback with uh, Matthew Stafford there. So I like uh, Allen, McLaurin Woods. Woods. Uh, Robinson also is great here. I think the, the the Dallas situation. I don't know whether or not Lamb or Cooper are the uh, you know the the wide receiver one for the, for the Cowboys, and that makes me a little bit nervous about both of them. But they're, they're both really talented. So if you take the second one and the Whoever's left is, is probably a good bet.
0: As we get into the fourth round, there there's, seems to be some risk now. Julio Jones, who, again, I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts because he he does not look done to me whatsoever, but he's in a different offense, and there's always the injury concern with him. But there's Chris Godwin, DJ Moore, Tyler Lockett, Cooper Cup, and Jamar Chase. What are your thoughts?
1: Well, you asked about uh, Julio, and he I took him uh, – in a draft where I wanted a lot of upside and I think it was the Scott fishbowl draft. Cause it's a big tournament and he does have still has top five, top eight upside. I think even as the number two receiver for the, for the Titans, obviously if anything were to happen to AJ Brown, um, he would, could even skyrocket, skyrocket further. He has number one overall upside in, in that situation. Uh, his targets might drop a bit because this is uh, going from Atlanta to Tennessee, who have happened to be a little bit more run-heavy. But uh, maybe the, this, this uh, Julio Jones trade indicates that the, the Titans want to throw the ball a bit more. And there's, there's just no way that they're going to be able to shut Julio down's defenses, that is, with Brown on the other side and Derrick Henry in the backfield. that just can't. There is not enough defenders to go around to deal with everybody. So he'll be in a lot of single coverage, and I think he'll thrive. And he's playing with one of the most efficient fantasy quarterbacks in the league in Ryan Tannehill. So I'm pretty bullish about him if he can stay healthy. Uh, Godwin, I don't have any shares of him. I don't have much of, of, of uh, Mark Mike Evans either. I just don't think that either one of them are the best value in their own team. I think that Antonio Brown is probably that player. So I've been avoiding both players i mean i love godwin as a player but um when antonio brown is in the lineup it just his numbers have sunk and he's just not worth a fourth round pick in my opinion <clears throat> uh excuse me dj moore he saw uh produces a solid fantasy wide receiver two numbers uh with mediocre numbers coming from teddy bridgewater last year 3700 yards uh 15 touchdowns for bridgewater People are worried about Sam Darnold coming in, but those are not numbers that Darnold can't replace. And you have pretty good confidence in the Carolinas coaching staff that they really went after Darnold and think that he could be the answer at quarterback. So you gotta kind of trust their instincts there. Uh, Matt Harmon's reception perception. uh, I think Moore was his first uh, couple of seasons. or His first season wasn't the greatest route runner, but it really improved in 2020. Uh, His numbers jumped quite a bit, his uh, success rates. Uh, so he's an ascending talent. I think he can produce, you know, again, Robbie Anderson might be the better value in that offense. Um, but Moore is a pretty good pick in the fourth round. And then Tyler Lockett is still an excellent route runner. He had the number nine fantasy season in 2020, but week 11, they, they stopped letting Russ, Russell Wilson cook. And that, uh, kind of his numbers kind of tanked. They went from 6.4 catches, 76 yards, 0.78 touchdowns on 8.8 targets per game to six catches for 53 yards and 0.43 touchdowns on 7.6 targets per game. And that's the difference between top five production and low end wide receiver two numbers. However, he's being drafted as low end wide receiver two. So he's being drafted based on what he did in the second half of the season. And there's upside there. Uh, So it's probably his floor is where he's being drafted. So I, I still really like Lockett and maybe the, the seahawks open things up a little bit more this year and figure out how they can balance the passing game with the with the running game that they want to execute
0: in the fifth round you got adam thielen of the vikings t higgins Deontay johnson kenny galladay brandon Ayuk. Uh, Odell Beckham coming off the injury, and at least for now, there's been some positive news coming out from Odell Beckham. Of course, everybody's in the best shape of their lives, and they're not injured, and they'll never be injured again uh, at this time of year. You also have Chase Claypool in this mix. They're coming off the board again in the fifth round. Are there any standout players to avoid in this group, John?
1: Yeah, Ayuk, Galladay, Ayuk, uh, Beckham, and Claypool sometimes are slipping into the sixth round in the drafts that I've seen. And T. Higgins was going there, but he's been his ADP has been climbing. I like Higgins, uh, but this is uh, kind of if you're going early fifth round with him, it's starting to get a little pricey. If you can get him at the end of the fifth round, sixth round, that's great. Uh, He had a great rookie year, but Jamar Chase is there. Um, I think targets will still be okay because they they were force feeding AJ Green last year and he's gone. Uh, So I'm not too worried about it. Uh, Just comparing him to somebody like Deontay Johnson, who uh, is my primary target in the fifth round, especially in PPR, full PPR formats because he's such a target hog. Uh, Matt Harmon loves his route running. You know, when, I, when I summed up his his uh, statistics into one number rankings, Deontay Johnson came in at number one overall in the 50-plus wide receiver sample, even ahead of Stefan Diggs, uh, who Harmon calls the best route runner in the league. Uh, But Johnson had some problems with drops, but that's like the least sticky statistic year to year. So I'm not worried about that. In the 12 games where Deontay played at least 30 snaps, he averaged 6.9 catches for 74 yards, 0.58 touchdowns, uh, 14.2 points per game, half PPR, which are top 10 numbers. He saw double-digit targets in 10 of those 12 games. Uh, So a lot of confidence in Deontay. I, I actually took him in the pros versus Joe's draft, and then I backed him up with Chase Claypool in the sixth round. So... I guess I'm a little bit bullish on the Pittsburgh passing offense, even though they're probably going to run the ball a little bit more. Uh, I just have confidence in these receivers to produce. Uh, Claypool was number 19 last year. He's the, currently the 30th receiver off the board. And if you remember, they were limiting his snaps late in the season to try to keep him from hitting the rookie wall. And I don't think we're going to have to worry about that this year. And then Beckham, you mentioned him. You know, he was, he was he's been going in the – Sixth round a lot of the offseason and it seems like he's going a little bit earlier now. He was on hundred and fourteen target pace In his first six games prior to the injury and when I saw him going in the sixth round It felt a little Stefan Diggs ish to me that he was going that talent was going that late And I know he hasn't been as productive or as in you know, the route running has also tanked a little bit according to, to Harmon and reception perception uh, but You know if, with this Cleveland offense taking off in the second half of the season, and the passing attack has got to be a lot more productive and efficient. Uh, Beckham is a guy who could surprise and finish in the top 10 or 15 uh, if if things break his way.
0: In the sixth round, you got Robbie Anderson, Cortland Sutton, Devontae Smith, Jerry Judy, DJ Chark, Debo Samuel, Michael Gallup, and then Tyler Boyd. These You're starting to get into wide receiver three territory, maybe looking for some upside. Who jumps out here?
1: This is an interesting group. I think Anderson has some value here. He's probably not, shouldn't be going this much later than um, the DJ Moore. uh, And he's got a familiarity with Sam Darnold, of course, from their days with the Jets. Uh, Devonta Smith, since since 2010, the uh, seven receivers drafted inside the first 10 picks who played at least 13 games as rookies have seen an average of 113 targets in their first years uh they've averaged 61 catches 915 yards 6.9 touchdowns uh Matt Harmon uh I'm going to quote him here when it comes to his route running there's no need to mince words Devonta Smith is without a doubt the best separator in the 2021 NFL draft so high praise there Uh, the quarterback situation is a little dicey but the targets are up for grabs there in Philly and it looks like he's already running uh as the number one receiver in drills there so um he's he's an very interesting value there in the sixth round. I think uh, Tyler Boyd is also going a, a little bit later than maybe he should. In 10 games with Joe Burrow last year, Boyd was the number 17 receiver on 8.7 targets per game. In 2019, he finished uh, 23rd in fantasy production. So he, he's typically been a mid to low and fantasy wide receiver too. He's being drafted a little bit later than that. So this is why when I say wide receiver is deep, this is why. Uh, Boyd's a great wide receiver three or wide receiver four to add to your arsenal especially if you have some you just want a higher floor with one of these guys and you know he's got full PPR he can put up some big points um, so those are the two that probably jump out the most uh, you know Jerry Judy has a court you know some quarterback issues DJ Chark I've been kind of fading because uh, you know I'm worried about Jacksonville going more run heavy and you've you've got LaVisca Chanel uh, ascending and you've got Marvin Jones there, who's just going to eat up a little bit of uh, usage. Uh, Debo, I wonder about same thing. Same concern with Ayuk and Debo is that it's a run-heavy offense. With George Kittle is probably the number one option. Um, So week to week, I don't know how many targets these guys are going to get. How dependable they'll be. So. That's sort of where I'm at with this group.
0: In the seventh round, you got Mike Mike Williams, and you just men- mentioned Laviska Chenault, Juju Smith-Schuster, Will Fuller, Curtis Samuel, and then Antonio Brown going off the board. Anyone pique your interest here?
1: I've been getting some Juju uh, in full PPR. I think he'll still get his share of targets. Uh, Williams, the the comments about him being the X receiver and targets finding the X receiver, and you know the the offensive coordinator just basically saying that he's going to have good numbers. It's uh, not something you always see in the off season. So, um, you know, he's, he's had a big yardage season. He's had a big touchdown season, but he hasn't put the two together. Um, but, you know, he's, he's tied to a good young quarterback. So no, no problem with taking a stab on him there. Uh, Fuller worries me a little bit uh, with the uh, one game suspension and then the, the PEDs and you just wonder how, uh, durable, he'll be uh, coming off the PED suspension. He's he really hasn't played a full season, and his one healthy season, he ended up getting suspended. So that worries me a little bit. I think he's a talent, t- uh, certainly talented, and will help that offense. But I just don't know how many games he's going to play. Curtis Samuel is one of my favorites. I'm a little concerned about this uh, uh, groin injury that he's got. He's on pup right now, uh, and it's been kind of lingering. I'm hoping that this all gets sorted out by camp, but we'll see. Uh, or by the middle of camp, but, but uh, I'm not sure that that is the case. So he's somebody to monitor. He might slide down drafts a little bit. And probably of this group, Antonio Brown is the most appealing at this point because uh, of his production last year f- uh, for the Bucks. He started in week nine, and the rest of the season, he was the number 21 fantasy receiver in half PPR formats. In the 11 games in which they all played, uh, Chris Godwin, uh, Mike Evans, and Brown, including the postseason, Uh, Brown had a 20% share of the receptions, a 17.4% share of the yards, and a 20% share of the touchdowns. If you just apply those rates to the Bucs' 2020 uh, passing totals, the resulting 85 catches, 831 yards, 8.4 touchdowns, uh, equates to low-end wide receiver two-type numbers. So that's the sort of uh, upside or expectation you can have if he's going to play a full season with the Bucs and Tom Brady. And, you know, those numbers could even go up a bit if uh Brady's efficiency in the offense uh improves in his second season
0: then in the eighth round you got Marquise Brown Brandon Cooks Jarvis Landry Michael Pittman McCole Hardman and then Jalen Waddle they're going off the board here is there a value that you're targeting here or or anyone that you're kind of fading
1: I think Waddle to me has been the guy that's sort of risen and reading uh, Matt Harmon's uh profile of him kind of convinced me he was one of the best uh route runners against uh, man coverage in college. Uh, And Harmon wrote, it's difficult to remember a recent prospect who can so easily flip the field, control their speed, and devastate with stop-start move, all while doing little things like uh, Waddle does so effortlessly. Uh, And so there's a few things at work here. He was drafted number six overall in the draft. I mentioned the uh, uh, splits since 2010, the seven receivers drafted inside the top ten who've played at least 13 games, have averaged 61 for 915 and 6.9 touchdowns on 113 targets on average. Those are high-end wide receiver three-type numbers. If you remove Tavon Austin from those numbers, he was 40 for 418 and 4 on 69 targets. Uh, Those averages jump to 65 for 997 and 7.3 touchdowns on 120 targets, and those are low-end wide receiver two numbers. I like that Waddle and Tua Viola are... (laughs) Uh, familiar with one another. They played together for two seasons at Alabama, and I like that Waddle, uh, his route running was really lauded by Matt Harmon, who knows that, knows his stuff. So he's the guy of this group that I'm always looking to draft. Um, I missed out on him in pros and joes last night, but um, he's he, to me, has a lot of upside, and, and the Miami uh, receiving core is pretty unsettled. There's a chance that he's the number one target there for, for the Dolphins.
0: And it's a uh, tongue of Aloha, but... Just go with Tua, John. You know you'll be safe that way. Yeah, it's Tonga. Yeah. There's no N. Yeah, it's Tung- Tunga Viola. Okay. Tunga Yep. I learned yeah. that when he when he put on a show in the second half of the Alabama Georgia game when they played in the the BCS National Championship a couple of years ago. I'm like, I better learn this kid's name because he he's pretty yeah. good. Uh, all right, John. We're 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 already in speculation territory, but once we get to pick 100 things things are a little bit more uncertain. You've got Darnell Mooney, you've got Devonte Parker, Russell Gage, Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, Rashad Bateman, Henry Ruggs, Marvin Jones, Rondell Moore, Gabriel Davis, Jalen Rieger, T.Y. Hilton and then Nelson Aguilar are, are going off the board in the ninth through the end of the eleventh round. So you're really looking at guys that you think are going to have upside that could surprise. So I ran through a bunch of names there, but who who stood who stands out to you here?
1: I think you know I'd like to have five receivers before this point in the draft, um, at least or at least four, and if Waddle's my fourth or fifth guy, I'm pretty happy because uh, you're getting into some speculation as you mentioned with some of these guys you're projecting and as chris allen uh, who's also on the earlier early week version of of t-map often says you can tell you you can tell yourself a story about some of these guys uh that can, can convince you that there's a path for for starter numbers um uh, mooney has been getting some buzz uh certainly if if fields turns out to be the real deal uh and anthony miller has moved on that mooney uh could produce i need to look at him a little bit more closely uh russell gage maybe you could speak to this with the falcons like people seem on twitter to hate him but um <laughs> he was actually i mean they, they just they don't like his uh they don't they just don't think he has any upside um That's but funny. i think with julio yeah with julio moving on and pitts coming in i think gage actually has some ppr uh, value, wide receiver four type value. Uh, and he's going to be one of those guys that maybe it's like a boring, he's going to turn it into maybe the next uh, Jameson Crowder where, you know, it's just boring to start him, but he gives you the, you know, 10, 12, 14 points every week. Um, Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, the, the Jets receiving core is very unsettled, but they did pay Corey Davis a lot of money. I don't know that he's going to have the same type of season that he was able to have opposite A.J. Brown with Ryan Tannehill throwing him the ball. Um, but Davis is one of the last wide receiver ones that are available in fantasy drafts. So, you know, this is not a bad point to take him. Um, Elijah Moore, great route runner. Harmon loves him. Uh, again, Crowder is back though with the Jets. So I just wonder if Moore is going to play enough to be a fantasy star at the start of the season, or at least a starter. Uh, and then I think of the rest of the guys that you mentioned, Rondale, Rondale Moore really interests me in Arizona. Uh, he might be the number two target there in that offense after DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, he's competing with Christian Kirk and Andy Isabella. And, you know, if Larry Fitzgerald is back, that would probably hurt him uh, more because, uh, you know, R- Rondell Moore is probably going to play in the slot. Uh, if, if Fitzgerald comes back, that certainly pushes him off the field, at least part of the time. Gabriel Davis is interesting for the Bills. Uh, they, they signed Emmanuel Sanders uh, to replace John Brown. And uh, – you know, the, the bills beat writers are calling Emmanuel Sanders a you know starter or top two receiver alongside Diggs, but he's thirty four ish, and uh, you know Davis is the up and coming youngster, so he will rotate in. And if anything happens to um, uh, Sanders, or if Cole Beasley decides to retire, whatever gets COVID, um, Davis should step in and see a lot of snaps there. Uh, so that group, that that's who I'm sort of targeting. Uh, I really do like Rashad Bateman as a player, but I just don't know if the Ravens have enough uh, pass attempts to support uh, support him as a fantasy starter. Uh, you know, Marquise Brown is still there, and obviously they have Mark Andrews at tight end, so I think he's more of a dynasty asset right now.
0: Yeah, asked me my thoughts on Russell Gage. Just my two cents on this. He's he's a slighter version of Muhammad Sanu. Like Muhammad Sanu is bigger. He's a bigger guy, but just in terms of he's not going to draw a lot of double teams. And we are talking about an offense that even though they lost Julio Jones, they got Calvin Ridley, and then they, they picked up uh, Kyle Pitts in the first round this year, and he's going to see a lot of targets as well. Russell Gage is going to get open. You know, he's, he's somebody that can win one-on-one, and he's probably not going to rack up a bunch of yards, but John, to your point, he might be somebody that gets you eight to 10 points each week and he does so consistently. And when you, when you're dealing with injuries or you make a trade and you need to kind of fill in one of those spots, Russell, Russell Gage might be, might be one of those guys. He's just a good football player, John. I think that's how they say it. He's just a good football player.
1: Yeah. And he averaged uh, 6.6 targets uh, without Jones, 7.1 targets uh, with Julio Jones. So he wasn't really seeing a big, Bump or anything with Jones out, and I don't think that Pitts is going to see Jones's workload. So there is some, there are some targets up for grabs there. And I think Gage uh, is going to see what 100 plus targets this year, and he, you know probably seventy seventy five catches, um, and be a productive player. Maybe he doesn't have top five upside, but not everybody does. Right,
0: and Allah, Alama I'm gonna script his name. Alamade Zacchaeus is not going to be somebody that challenges Russell Gage that much. I mean, Gage Gage is the clear wide receiver three there when you get past Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts. All right, John, we'll wrap things up talking about the targets that once once the draft gets in the twelfth round or later, who are some really high upside guys that you know you're you're gonna just you're willing to take the flyer on in, in the in round twelve through later.
1: Yeah, uh, Terrace Marshall, I think, for Carolina could turn in Curtis Samuel-type numbers as the third option right now uh, heading into the season. Um, and and uh, Samuel was a wide receiver two, wide receiver three type, and Marshall's being drafted much, much later. So there is some upside there for Marshall. And if there's anything that happens to Moore or Robbie Anderson, then suddenly you might have a top 20, 25 guy. Uh, John Brown, uh, I like him quite a bit. Still, uh, Smokey has been one of my longtime favorites. Uh, he's a longtime favorite of uh, Matt Harmon as well. As soon as he signed with the Raiders, I thought he was clearly the best receiver that the Raiders have. So if he, is he if he can stay healthy, don't um, be surprised if Brown is leading that team in receiving. Uh, I, I know there's some rumors that he's not going to start, but I don't know how that's possible given the guys ahead of him right now or at least how they played last year but we shall see uh, I like having John Brown on my roster uh, Sterling Shepard is <laughs> I always see him in my drafts and I'm just like oh I don't want to take him uh, here but uh, he is a good route runner uh, productive he has been productive for the Giants for a long time I think the concern with him is that they signed uh, Kenny Galladay and there's going to be you know he's under target pressure from you know, Evan Ingram and Slayton and, uh, Galladay, of course. And, uh, but, you know, Shepard's another kind of boring guy, like maybe like Gage, where he, he's going to give you the points and people are going to be picking him up <laughs> early in the season, probably to put a band aid on the receiver situation because he's still going to go out there and get those seven, six to seven targets per game. Uh, Van Jefferson is my bet right now for the number three receiver for the Rams. And with, you know, Cooper Cup's knee, um, possibly being an issue uh, at some point. Uh, even the third receiver for the for the Rams with with Matthew Stafford at quarterback instead of Jared Goff, it's it's an interesting play. And uh, Sean McVay has really been talking up Van Jefferson this summer, so it sounds like he's made some strides in the offseason. He's got Deshaun Jackson to compete with, and they drafted Tutu Atwell as well, so it's not clear at all. But as one of the last picks in the draft, uh, Jefferson is interesting. And then the Detroit wide receivers, we haven't talked about any of them, have we? Brashad uh, mm. Perryman, uh, Tyrell Williams, uh, Amon Ra, St. Brown. Somebody here is going to be fantasy relevant and just not sure who. You know, St. Brown seems to be the favorite amongst the fantasy community because Goff is kind of a dinker dunker and he's more most likely to be the dinker dunker recipient. Although you might be better off uh, looking at Hawkinson or DeAndre Swift for that, uh, but Detroit is a camp that we're keeping an eye on because we need to see how this pecking order and who's looking good. And is Goff have a connection with any of these guys? Because uh, you know, late in the draft, you can get a wide receiver one for a team. It's uh, it's a good it's a good bet that you're going to get the some starts out of them.
0: All right, that'll do it for this week's podcast. Thank you so much to John Paulson, who you again can follow at four, four underscore John. That does wrap it up. Don't forget to take advantage of that promo with underdog and lock in your pro subscription at four for four. Don't forget about our other new partner as well. And again, we're excited to partner up with Prize Picks, and we're going to offer the free DFS or betting, betting subscription just for depositing the 20 to 25, the 20 to $35 as a new user at Prize Picks. So check them out as well, bit.ly slash that other... That other deal, that bit.ly/4for4 deal, all in caps. That one is for the free 4for4 Pro subscription, that fifty-nine dollar value. So uh, it's it's unbelievable, and you want to check out both links for that. We'll be, we'll be back next week. We'll we'll break down. Uh, I imagine the tight end position, and we'll dive into whatever news is going on with training camps kicking off as well. So for John Paulson, I'm Anthony Stalter. Hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. This has been the most accurate podcast. I'm still
1: I'm still stuck on you. I'm still stuck on you. You don't even notice. Been trying to move on to you. You can never.